You're listening to the Go Ministries International Podcast, where you're going to hear the truth of the Word of God, wild, relevant, and powerful for your journey in today's world. Father, there's nothing in our life that's like your Word. It gives life to us. It gives us instruction and direction. So, Father, we choose to open up our hearts and open up our minds to be renewed by your Word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Father, we're here. We're receptive. We're ready. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready for growth. We're ready for change. So, Father, speak what you want to speak this morning. Our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive. Our bodies are awake and alert. And so, Father, we give this time to you, that your will would be done in this place, Father. Yeah, your will would be done in our lives as we discover more of who we are and who you desire us to grow into through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about the profitable versus the permissible. You know you have to work hard to become someone different than who you are currently. See, our salvation was immediate. It was automatic. And really, the only voluntary action it took was saying, Jesus, God, I believe in what you did through the cross, and I receive that forgiveness. I receive that love. And that's all it took. But that was a regeneration of your spirit. Okay, you know we have a three-part being. If you grew up in church at all, you've probably heard this in one way or the other. But no matter how many times you've heard it, we cannot allow the word of God to become cliche in our lives. The moment it becomes cliche, it becomes common, and the things that are common, you don't value. That's the truth. If it's common, if it's not rare, if it's not a big deal, like, oh, man, I spilled my water, it's no big deal. Why? Because you can always just go back and get it. It's common. But we need to treat the word as precious and as valuable. And so, anyway, these value systems are very, very important to us. So, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Again, some of these we've heard before, but again, maybe we retired the first time, maybe it was a new concept, and so it needs development. I remember being in math class in high school, and I'm a good learner, but I feel like I'm a slow learner. And so my teacher would explain things. You know me, I'd like raise my hand three times. I'd be like, okay, can you say that again? Or I'd rephrase it a different way or I'd mix up the statement just to make sure that I understood it. Uh, Miss Billy Brim teaches that you have to hear something at least seven times for you to really fully understand it. So it takes hearing and hearing to understand something, but it takes living and acting to get it ingrained in you. Knowing it is not enough. Your actions are what give your belief system deep roots. Somebody say amen to that. Say this with me. Say, it is my actions that give my belief deep roots. It's not, okay, it's not about hearing it over and over again, because how many of you have grown up in church? Just raise your hand. Okay, a lot of us. So you've heard and heard and heard, yet all the times that we hear, hearing doesn't transform us. You understand that? It's incomplete. It doesn't matter how much power these outlets can give us until we plug something into it. The outlet is the belief. It's the power. Because truly, there is power in belief. But it's not until you plug something into it that that power actually gets to accomplish something. Your actions are representative of plugging in something into that power outlet. Until we choose to plug in our actions, our belief will be limited. Which means our growth will be stunted. And I think we've all experienced that, not even just at a young age, but all throughout life, we can hear a lot of good things. And there's such a wealth of knowledge that we have heard in our modern day and age when it comes to the word of God. But it's not about how much you can hear. 
It's about being faithful with what you've already heard. Come on, somebody. Think about it. Take one concept, one concept, and completely dedicate your life to it. You will do more good with that. You will grow up more with that than hearing 2,000 revolutionary truths or revelation in your life. Take one and act on it versus hearing 2,000. Why? Because if you just believe and you don't act, it won't do you any good. If you just act without the power of belief behind your actions, then you're just going to end up frustrated. Why? Because no one likes to do something they don't believe in. So what are we doing this week in these next 40 days? We're really focusing on enhancing that belief. Several years ago, the Lord told me we were really um, primarily focused on helping people's behavior and lifestyle change in Go Ministries many, many years ago. And a handful of years ago, the Lord told me, he said, stop emphasizing behavior and enhance belief. And the belief will help take care of the behavior. He was literally saying, you won't have to work as hard if you just work on belief first. So that is why we are instilling these values. Okay, so let's get into the profitable versus the permissible. This really does work hand in hand with the core of Christianity, which I'll get into again later on this year. But this is a good foundation of the core of Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. You know what? Let's back up to verse 9. Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud which is deceitfulness or lying, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. You know, uh, I've heard dad teach for several years now that there is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Sometimes if you just think about it on your own, you're like, oh, they're kind of synonymous with one another. Maybe it's just a rephrasing. No, the kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a system. Does that make sense? The kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a system, okay? So let's keep reading here. It says, those who do all of these things will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. Out of that whole list, that was a pretty long list, right? How many of us could raise our hand and said, yes, at one point I was living according to one of those old lifestyles? And this is even proven in, in Ephesians in the beginning chapters that says, well, number one, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Romans, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. But at the same time, in Ephesians, it says that we, uh, he came and he saved us and he loved us even while we were already slain in our own trespasses, which means at one point we weren't living right. Now, here's the thing. Most of us have probably been in this room, have probably been saved a while, at least maybe the majority. But yet, sometimes we still see these attributes persisting in our Christian lives. And I know this to be true. Why? Because our bodies and our souls are not regenerated when we receive Christ. We receive a spiritual regeneration, and the goal in God's system and method is to let this inward regeneration start to regenerate us on the outside. But here's the thing. Your spirit is already wanting to cooperate with God. Your soul and your body do not. Your soul and your body are driven by your own self-will. So even though you took that initial action and from your spirit you said, yes, I believe in Jesus, I believe he came to the earth, he died on a cross and rose three days later, it's the power and the depth of that revelation letting it expand itself 
on the inside of you. See, sometimes we get this thing reversed. We're trying to work on the outside to obtain something on the inside where we're supposed to work it the reversed way. Let what's on the inside start to permeate itself in my outer being. That's how it's supposed to work. You don't do something on the outside to earn something on the inside. Hello. You don't do something on the outside to earn something. You need to be fueled by faith so that your actions now live in accordance with the belief system that has been instilled inside of you. So it says all those who do these things. Now it's important here. This is in 1 Corinthians. So this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Again, he's not just talking about the world. He's not just talking about heathens. He's literally speaking to a church. So obviously these issues can still persist in the church. And that is evidently true, again, because our outer nature is not renewed until we choose to renew it. These will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles, but now you have been purified from sin. You have been made holy and given a perfect standing with God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. Now let's read verse 12. It's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. That is our focus this year. Don't think that the rules that exist are because, oh, this is wrong, or this is bad, or this is sin. No, the rules and the values and the systems we have here are because we only want to pursue what is good for us. You only want in your life what's good for you. You don't want any obstacles. You, you don't want to create any distractions. You don't want any hiccups. So what you're doing is you're removing that kind of potential. That's the goal. It's not to try to make us more holy than somebody else or so that our relationship with God is better than somebody else's relationship with God. It's that we can be the best we can be. Again, remember, no comparison. It doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. Now, this is Paul talking, okay, and again, the primary author of the, uh, the majority of the New Testament. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved by anything. Can I just put this in layman's terms for you? If you have difficulty telling yourself no to something, you're on the verge or already enslaved by it. If you can't, you're like, well, why should I have to say no? For the sake of self-discipline. When, he's, when Paul talks, too, in the Corinthians about, this is how I buffet my body. I restrain myself in all things so that somehow I won't become a counterfeit. Why would he become a counterfeit? Because a lack of restraint will result in uh, an imbalance in your life. You'll get too heavy on this side or too heavy on that side. He restrains himself in all things to remain disciplined. That is what you'll learn this year is discipline. Not just thinking about whenever, whatever we want, whenever we want, but living purposefully, living thoughtfully. Amen? Are you here this morning? But I choose to never be enslaved by anything. Some have said, I eat to live and I live to eat, but God will do away with it all. The body was not created for illicit sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus, who can fill the body with himself. So again, just because we're allowed to do something, here's, here's the thing. Sometime throughout this year, you may learn to seek out counsel or advice for your life. Here's the deal. We may not always have the answer. Your pastors back home or your family back home may not always have 
the answer. It is learning to hear from God for yourself. That is the most important thing. Because our word, you could take it or leave it. But we know that as believers, if he says it, that settles it. I'm running after that. Amen? Okay, so it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but not everything we choose to do is good for us. Choose the good in your life. You could say, well, I could technically get away with this relationship or getting involved in this kind of entertainment. But is it good for you? Does it enhance prior past habits that are not good for you? If it does, then don't involve yourself with it. Why? Because you can't pursue the future while hanging on to the past. You get that. So when we read in the Bible where it says all old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. It even says put off the old man, put off the outer man. You can't hang on to that old fleshly way of life while pursuing a future of life in the spirit. That is the one thing that will stop you from living in the spirit. It's not just the flesh, but it's the fact of I want to hang on to this old way. That is not a relationship with Christ. Can I tell you what a relationship with Christ is all about? It's about pursuit. Um, I was talking on relationships a week or two ago at the church here, and it's just something that God, God has really has me on this tangent of teaching on rich relationships, genuine relationships. And, and one of the things that he told me was, rich relationships are not created by coasting, but they're developed by pursuit. No, they're produced by pursuit. That's what it was. They're produced by pursuit. A relationship with Christ has to be pursued, right? Now, can I just give an example? And James gives us this, this example, and I don't know if I'll get into it. Um, maybe we will. Go ahead and turn to the book of James. Okay, so you guys know this. I'm married. I've been married for 13 years. Lacey and I just celebrated our 13-year anniversary right before the internship year. So we're still young in marriage, but we're still learning. But how many of you, now let's read this real quick. James chapter 1. No, maybe it's 4. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I think it's 4. Okay, yeah, James 4, or sorry, yeah, James 4, 4. Mm, let's back it up. Let's start at the beginning of that chapter, okay? James 4. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way? Hello. As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. I also had this series that I talked about, and it, and it was based on the concept of selfishness separates. Hear that. Selfishness separates always. You want to have a great community, you want to have great relationships, you want to have a great social life, selfishness separates. This is the reason why so many people don't have good relationships anymore, because it's all built on selfishness. That's what James 4 verse 1 is talking about. You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme and envy with and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. Okay, so listen to this. Verse 1 again, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? The cause of quarrels and conflicts is what? Selfishness. So when you have conflict in relationship, it's because of selfishness. 
think of it. Say someone, I gave this example years ago. It was so funny. I, I said, Jason Montgomery, come up here. If he came up here, and again, we're, we're like best of friends, and I just chose to literally just deck him in the face real hard. He has a choice right there to become offended. I won't say hurt because a punch in the face hurts no matter what. I mean, inwardly hurt and just be like, okay, I'm offended, and our relationship is totally ruined from that moment forward. I can recognize the wrong that I did. I can apologize, but until he chooses to let go of his own hurt, of his own offense, which he could rightfully have, because I did wrong, but the more he wants to cling on to him, the relationship will never be, dist- uh, will never be restored. So we have a choice in this. Um, so again, selfishness separates. Now listen to this. You, uh, in verse 4 of James 4, you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair and an unholy relationship with the world. Do you know, listen to this, this is huge. I know you guys might be tired, you can maybe still waking up a little bit, but listen to this, this is huge. Do you not know that flirting with the world's values places you at odd with God? It didn't even say having a full-on relationship. Doesn't this just rock you? Like, does it make you realize, what the heck am I doing with Taylor Swift? What the heck am I doing with Justin Timberlake? What am I doing? What am I doing? Listen to this again. I think this can hit us so hard. But these are the things that people don't think about. These are the people where it's like, oh, it's such a gray area. I can do this. And because they're so obsessed with being entertained, they turn a blind eye to it. They turn a deaf ear to it. Listen, don't you know that flirting with the world's values, what they value, what do they value? Entertainment, sensuality. Now, I know that sensuality is generally perceived as something that's sexual, but really it just appeals to your senses. What makes you feel good? It could be food. It could be movies. It could be media. It could be music, any of those things. Flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God. Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself an enemy with God. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit of God, that, sorry, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more and more of us? Okay, why am I telling you this? I was saying that I was married to Lacey. Can you imagine me holding Lacey's hand while still trying to pursue another woman and hold the other woman's hand at the same time? No, the mere fact that I'm pursuing someone else automatically disengages me with that other person. Why? It's creating friction. It's creating schism. Yet in our relationships with God, we treat it so little because it's not confronted. Just because it's not confronted doesn't mean it's not a reality. Just because there's not consequence doesn't mean it's not actually happening. But we think, oh, it's fine. If I'm not getting caught, there's no consequence. There's no conflict. It's not true. But the conflict, see, here's the thing. We're more driven by the natural than we are the supernatural. Do you want to know why? Unless we have a natural consequence, we'll continue sinning. That is the majority of people. And that's the wrong way to live. We're teaching you to be driven by what's good, by what's right, by what's pleasing to God and pleasing to others. That is how we should be driven. But you want to know what this takes? Selflessness. 
means not going after, which means, again, and, and man, I'm, this is going to hybrid a bit, but this really is the core of Christianity. Um, hang on. Go ahead and turn to, it's going to be led by the Spirit this morning. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to try and just highlight a few scriptures in here to help drive this point home. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I actually should go to a different translation here. These two chapters will, uh, will really rock you. Okay, so in the beginning of chapter 8, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Um, Paul is really discussing the issue of whether or not Christians should be eating foods that are sacrificed to idols and whether or not that's a right concept or a wrong concept. But I'm going to start halfway through in verse 1 of chapter 8. It says, Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant, but love, the Amplified says, that unselfishly seeks the best for others, builds up and encourages others to grow. Let me read out the Passion Translation for a moment. How easily we get puffed up over our own opinions. But love builds up the structure of our new life. If anyone thinks of himself as a know-it-all, he still has a lot to learn. But if a person passionately loves God, he will possess the knowledge of God. Okay, now let's go back to the Amplified. Go ahead and turn to verse 9. Only be careful, again, he's talking about liberty. In the Amplified, it labels this chapter, take care with your liberty. Listen to this. Again, Paul is probably one of the best examples we have in the Christian faith outside of Jesus. 100%. He is the dominant force of what we read in the New Testament. And if I'm real, the New Covenant is way, New Covenant, New, New Testament is way more relevant to us than the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a reflection. It's a journey. It's a lineage and it's a heritage. Yet there are reflections. There are parallels between what God was doing in the Old Testament and then what he did through Jesus and moving forward. But when it comes to life application, the New Testament is it. Sure, it's, it, it's phrased a bit differently, and some things took some changes in the New Testament, but God's value system never changed. His system of punishment did. His values never changed. But how he, while he, while he, how he responded to disobedience did change, and that was because of Jesus. Okay, so only be careful that this liberty of yours, which the Amplified describes as this power to choose does not somehow become a stumbling block that is a temptation to sin to the weak in conscience. Okay, in verse 13 it says this. Therefore, if my eating a certain food causes my brother to stumble and sin, I will not eat such meat ever again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not free, unrestrained and exempt from any obligation? What kind of obligation? Obligation to not drink alcohol. The obligation of don't get drunk with wine. The obligation of this or that. But he says, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our risen Lord, in person? And are you not the result and proof of my work in the Lord? Now, go ahead and, and move forward to verse 15. It says, but I have used none of these privileges. Go ahead and fast forward to verse 19. For though I am free from all men, okay, here's a concept right here. 
oh, well, I'm not responsible for what they do. It doesn't matter if what they're doing. This is just between me and God. That is selfish, and that is not Christianity, period. Paul didn't operate this way, yet God chose him to be our New Testament example of a real man who is not the Son of God and how to live. Listen to this. For though I am free of all men about what they say I should do, what they think I should do, I'm not responsible for their actions. Naturally, the selfish, natural man would say, I'm not responsible for you. But love reverses that thinking process. Love says, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And if it bothers you, and if you think it's wrong, then I'm just not going to do it. Thanks for tuning in to the Go Ministries International Podcast. For more information, go to goministries.net and follow us on social media to get more content like this straight to your phone. Remember, no matter what you've done or where you're at in life, you're lovable, valuable, capable, and redeemable.